Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yep. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. We're together for the next hour, then I'll come back for 30 minutes of sports beat in the 6 o'clock hour. We're done early tonight because Notre Dame basketball We'll take on the Miami Hurricanes at Purcell Pavilion, 7 o'clock game time, 6.30 pregame right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In the 6 o'clock hour, I'll preview Notre Dame-Miami, little Big Ten basketball talk, and we'll have our sports wagering picks. And Eric, last night was a good night. My picks went 4-0, and if you parlayed those four, Eric, a $10 wager would have won you $146.10. Then your grandkids would not have to eat organic nuggets. We'd get them the real deal. <laughs> organic are actually more expensive. But are they as good, though? They think they are. Okay. Yeah, the one, the, the one time that I had trouble with nuggets was actually from a fast food restaurant. Okay. And my... He was about six at the time. He's eight now. He did not want to eat this restaurant's nuggets because they weren't McDonald's. And then my oldest grandson told him they were made out of a rooster, and then it really <laughs> wasn't gonna. Ha- then he really wasn't gonna eat them. So, oh my God, that was problematic. Wow, <laughs> a rooster. Okay. Well, coming up this hour, we're going to talk plenty of Notre Dame football with Eric, and we've got our sports wagering segment 
coming up at the end of the show, but we have our Twitter segment coming up at the end of this hour on WSBT Radio. One little nugget, former Notre Dame baseball player, he spent a little time with the Chicago Cubs last year. Trey Mancini has signed a minor league deal with the Miami Marlins and an opportunity to come to spring training with Miami. So Mancini not on the 40-man roster, but will look to work his way onto the roster by having a good spring down in South Florida. All right, Eric, we've got some opening topics to get to, and they involve Notre Dame football. And let's start things off with some news that popped up yesterday. I want to get your insight on these storylines. So one thing that occurred this week, Notre Dame football has a new roster for the upcoming season, and a couple of players were not listed on this new roster. We'll start on the defensive side of the football, and Eric, defensive lineman Gabe Rubio is not on the roster at this time. Apparently, personal reasons, he has left the football team. What is your read on this particular situation and worst case, if he's not back for a while, what does that do to the nose guard depth chart? Well, he won't be there for spring football. We know that. And so um, it's going to give some opportunities to players like Donovan Heinish and Devin Houston and even Sean Sevillano Jr., the early enrolled freshman. And you have... Uh, Jason Anye, who can play both positions. Um, And I know that they know what Gabe Rubio can do. The question is, will he come back? And my understanding is there is a pathway back for him and that he could be back for the summer. He could be back for the fall. He could not come back, but he's not in the transfer portal or anything like that. This is just something he needs to work out. And if he gets it worked out, he'll be back and on the team for 2024. So we'll see how that plays out. I think there are enough bodies there. I still think there are two players in particular that you have to decide what position are these guys. They're Neither one of them are nose guard, but they're inside players or edge players. And that's Tyson Ford and Brendan Vernon. Tyson okay. is going to be a junior now. We'll, we'll start talking – about these guys in terms of their 2024 eligibility. And then Brendan Vernon will be a sophomore. Um, They're both around 275. Tyson's a little north of that. Uh, But they project as a field end or as a defensive tackle. They've cross-trained at both. I think each would benefit from starting to kind of specialize and hone in on one position or another. So that's something that they'll sort through. But I do think unless there were an injury to Riley Mills or Howard Cross, the starters, you're still in really good shape, both numbers-wise and quality at those positions. Rubio in the Navy game last fall suffered a knee injury, needed arthroscopic surgery, missed three games, then came back, then was out for the Louisville game. I don't think we ever found out what was wrong with him. But he played in nine games, and he is a very capable backup For example, to Howard Cross on the nose. So a very useful player. Hopefully he comes back or one of the players you mentioned is going to have to step up their level of play to fill the void of Gabe Rubio. Yeah, he was the most trusted non-starter on interior. Okay, also another guy not on the roster, offensive lineman Andrew Kristofik. 
he has left the team, and Eric, it sounds like he's not coming back. Right. Andrew has been a valuable backup. He actually had a run of being a starter uh, in 2021. He started more than half the season at left guard. Uh, He started in place of Jarrett Patterson in the 2022 opener, but he's mostly been a backup. He had a chance to step in and be a starter at the end of the season, but in the game that Zeke Carell got hurt, he also got hurt. Clemson. Right, but not to bury the lead, but Andrew Kristoffik is just going to kind of go into the business world, move on without football at this point. So he's turning down a sixth year, the COVID option year. Uh, He already has a bachelor's degree. He has a master's degree. So he's ready to get on with his life. He doesn't see the NFL uh, in the future for him. Again, played tackle at one point, then was a guard and a center. So he's a versatile player, but they do have players that can fill that role. This time last year, we were projecting Kristoffic as a starter or a possible starter at the guard position and got beat out. Of course, we ended up with Coogan at left guard and Carell at center and Spindler at right guard. And then you saw Spindler go down with an injury. You, as you talked about, a couple of centers went down, including Kristoffic. And Ashton Craig took hold of the situation yeah. and, and became a very capable player at the center position. So Kristoffic is a loss from the standpoint, a reliable backup right. on this football team. As you start thinking about Joe Rudolph and Mike Denbrock rebuilding the offensive line, and I'm going to put it this way, do the dominoes start first by figuring out who the center is because Coogan can play left guard and center? Or does it start at left guard? How do you perceive how this will play out? It's interesting because I don't know that Mike – I think Mike is on board with, hey, the best five play regardless of position. I don't know that if he were the offensive line coach, that's how he would approach it. But, But certainly he would be on board with that. And I think that's probably the first part of that calculus because really – Technically, all five positions are open. Nobody has has it nailed down. It's you true. could say Pat Coogan has the most experience. He started the most games, and yet, and again, pro football focus is only one um, tool to evaluate. But from the pro football focus ratings, he was fifth among the guys that started the most in terms of a player rating, and two of the guys that played the best were Ashton Craig and Billy Shrouth, the guys that replaced injured guys. And then Emil Wagner in a very small sample size was better than all of them. And he never started a game. So I wouldn't say that you necessarily start at center, but that's one of the things you're going to want to get to fairly early is say, because you've got dueling quarterbacks. You've got a quarterback competition going on as well. Allegedly, allegedly, yes, yeah. So, I, so really, I would say it. I would say that it's it's, it's more realistic than in past years. Right, right. There Definitely. were years where, you know, you just couldn't sell it. No, it was the chorus line. Yeah. Okay. So basically, it comes down to what works better: Shrouth, Coogan, Spindler, or maybe it is Shrouth, Coogan, Spindler. Right. Or Craig is the starter. Or yeah. Or you really go off the board somebody asked me in the chat 
about what if these were the best five guys and there wasn't an obvious center in that group. And it really came down to then, is it Spindler or Shrouth at center? Which which you could do. And Tyler and I had different opinions about that. Um, I thought go with the guy that gets the plays right more often. <laughs> and he went with a different option. Okay. So. With Christophic off the roster, does Sam Pendleton benefit the most moving up the depth chart, possibly at the guard positions? Is he the one that benefits the most or has the most opportunity to fill Christophic's role? Maybe. And Pendleton is a guy that I sneakily like. You know, I, I just have a good feeling about him. It, I need to see it more in practice. And he was a freshman last year. For he was a that don't true know. freshman yeah. last year. Was a, I think, lower four-star kind of guy. So he wasn't one of those guys that were really touted. But he's one of those guys from sneaky work ethic, sneaky <laughs> good that could do what Coogan did last year and surprise everybody. I think Pendleton could surprise and have be at least in the two deeps. And just I'm going to mention this. I know I talked about this yesterday, but it's going to be a, a cool story to learn more about Eric Goins is a walk-on kicker, spent 12 through 15 at the Citadel, then seven years in the U.S. Army, and now he's coming back to football. Of course, they have already brought in a kicker from South Carolina, Jeter, to take over that role. But, I mean, who knows, maybe Goins is a kickoff specialist or he's just an insurance policy. But a great story, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, he can be an insurance policy at a couple positions because he punted for the Citadel as well. Um. Yeah, Mitch Jeter, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat him out. And then you'd also have to beat out Zach Yoakum. But maybe he does a great job with kickoffs. Maybe he's just an insurance policy in case you have a pulled hammy one day. And it's it's a fascinating story. And the fact that he wants to come to Notre Dame to get an MBA um, is interesting uh, but a 30-year-old, boy, he makes Sam Hartman seem like a spring chicken at <laughs> yeah, 24 right. when he was here. Uh, but it's it's a neat story, and I hope we get a chance to talk to him. He's already enrolled in classes. He's on the roster. so I can't imagine there have been many older players at Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, and, and usually your clock doesn't yes. pause, your NCAA clock. With military service, it does. So that's how he was able to have 2015 being his most recent year and still having a year of eligibility. Although the tight end at Miami, is it going into his ninth year? He's going to be 52 years old, I think. Yeah, year. I don't think he paused, though. No. I mean, other than injuries. Four season-ending injuries. Yeah, well, he's he and uh, Kevin Bauman's trying to break that record. Poor guy. I hope he doesn't. I hope he just stays at three. Another Notre Dame topic for you, Eric. What were the three biggest needs in the transfer portal for the Notre Dame offense, and do you feel like they have filled those needs adequately? Yeah, I I think wide receiver was number one. Um, And I think in Marcus's mind, quarterback was number one. But, I mean, you had multiple wide receivers that you wanted to get, and then quarterback. And then really it came down to – more of a luxury type thing, whether you were going to go get a tight end, an offensive tackle, not definitely not a running back. There was 
absolutely no need for a running back. So I would say offensive tackle would have been the third. But there wasn't somebody that was a great fit. A lot of the guys that you would consider, they either wanted to stay put or they wanted to go to the NFL. Uh, I think it's easier to find an interior guy because they're not as highly coveted in the draft. You know, positional strength, a tackle's more valued than a guard or a center. And so I think they're going to see what's available after spring and may still go down that road, depending if people leave, depending if people get hurt, or depending on how people play. They may play so well because they have all their offensive linemen here except for Garby Lambert, who is the best of the freshmen. But everybody else is here. The other early enrollees are here, and when you look at their weights, you go, okay, that's not happening this year. Like Anthony Knapp is in the 260s, and mm. uh, Styles Prescott, a tackle, is in the 270s. Peter Jones is is close to 300. He's a guard, 6'5", 292. So maybe he is a guy that can impress early. Garby Lambert will have that chance this summer. Six foot seven, 300 pound. Oof. He was a top 40 player overall on the final rivals rankings. I was looking at some way too early NFL mock drafts. Do you realize Joe All has the opportunity to have maybe one of the best jobs in NFL history, the team he's projected to go to. A, if he does a great job, he's going to get praised in this big city. But if he gives up a sack, just as many people are going to be happy that the conspiracy theorist quarterback goes down Aaron Rodgers. He's projected in a couple of places to go to the New York Jets. So you give up a sack, people are going to probably cheer because Aaron Rodgers got sacked. (laughs) Otherwise, he'll get cheered by the New York fan base for keeping their veteran quarterback upright so he doesn't lose. Eric, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd want to go to the Jets. I hope he does not go to the Jets. That is just another soap opera waiting to happen, as long as that quarterback is there. All right, 523, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. What would be the best storyline Super Bowl matchup? I asked Allison Hayes from ABC 57 this question last night, and she responded, anything involving the Lions. So I'll have you pick, Eric. Which would be the best storyline Super Bowl matchup? Lions-Ravens, Lions-Chiefs, 49ers-Ravens, 49ers-Chiefs. I would also say I would start with the Lions in that. You know, I – I'm going to go Lions-Ravens. We've seen a lot of Chiefs, and we've got the mileage out of them that we want. (laughs) Um, You don't want a Taylor Swift versus Eminem Super Bowl? (laughs) Well, that would be interesting. Um, And and, uh, Travis Kelsey's brother running around with his shirt (laughs) off. Um, Yeah, there are some interesting things. And and none of the Taylor Swift stuff bothers me. Um, But I think the Ravens would be cool there's – Notre Dame guys on the Ravens. They're the old Cleveland Browns, which when I was a real little kid, that was the team that I rooted for. Um, you know, they they have different Cleveland Browns now that was yeah. an expansion team, yeah. but that was the original franchise. I'd kind of like to see Lions-Ravens. And there's Notre Dame 
guys on all these teams. So That's what I mentioned. There would be eight Notre Dame guys in the Super Bowl if it's Lions-Ravens, even though some of them are on the practice squad. I mean, it still counts. Yeah. Mustafer is on the Ravens, which I had forgotten. And, of course, Kyle Hamilton and Ronnie Stanley. Let's see if I can name all the Lions. Scott Daly, Chris Smith, the Aquaras, and Brock Wright, who just went on injury reserve today. Oh, no. I don't know what happened, but they signed Zach Ertz all of a sudden. Now we know why Brock Wright got injured somewhere along the way Okay. after he made that great 30-yard catch against the Buccaneers. So there would be at least eight players on the roster if it's Lions-Ravens featuring Notre Dame players. Yeah, I'm, Well, as a Bronco fan, I'm really tired of the Chiefs, but I'm with you there. Lions-Ravens, that would be fun. Anything involving the Lions, that city would go absolutely berserk, and we all kind of like the underdog. Right. So why not? There's no team that here that's my favorite. There's no team that I dislike uh, in this group. So there's nobody I'd want to root against. So I'll take care of that with the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I don't know. There's I like Andy Reid. There's I, I I like seeing that Taylor Swift stuff. I like when uh, they they were kind of vibing in the press conference, swaying back and forth, or not press conference in the press box or whatever you call that luxury box. It bugged me at first. Now it does it because you know what? We're hearing stories that girls who never watch football are watching and they're asking their dad, "Hey, what is this? What is, they're actually having moments as father and <laughs> why daughters. is this guy drinking out of a bowling <laughs> <Yeah>. ball?" <laughs> But they're talking football together, so that's a good thing. And yeah. I will give Jason Kelsey a lot of credit. He hopped out of the suite, yeah. grabbed a girl who had a Taylor Swift sign, and held her up so she could see it, and Taylor waved at her. That's a really cool moment. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. If the Ramones were still alive, I would expect that to happen at games. That That's my favorite yes. band. T Tyler James is, is Taylor Swift, is his favorite Isn't artist. Isn't that something? Yes, and we had... We had um, Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, on the podcast one time, and we said, if you could only pick one of these two acts to be perform at Notre Dame Stadium, which one would be, the Ramones or Taylor Swift? He said the Ramones. Really? And it wasn't a difficult decision. And I just, I don't care what Jack Swarbrick does for the rest of his life at this point, that he made me happy with his musical choices was important in that moment he was hanging out at notre dame hockey saturday night with coach freeman at o'brien's and had all the junior day families down to my left they were having a good time I and, mean, and mike denbrock's been, yes okay he, so he the offensive well. coordinator the obligatory offensive coordinator appearance has happened yes but it was not in a suite this time it was in the general admission stands and there was no job up for grabs gotcha Little different like me and my grandson. We were in the general admission. We were in the Darren Pritchett seat. You were, and they were directly across from you, to the left of the Notre Dame band, and they had a had a great time. They saw Notre Dame put a puck in their own net when it was empty. Really? Passing the puck around because there was a penalty on Penn State. So the goalie goes to the bench for an extra skater, and the pass got I'm sorry, the puck got passed back. Our goaltender tipped it and it went thirty feet right in our net. And wow. Penn State tied the game. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it happened in the NHL last night or two nights ago as well. So it doesn't happen very often, but it's happened twice in a week, which is very, very strange. Okay, and by the way, I took a video of C.J. Carr on the Zamboni throwing mm. shirts into the crowd, and I got like 500 re-likes and likes and hearts. I, 
it was just a video of him on a Zamboni, and it's like the greatest thing I've ever posted on Twitter X. I, I would have given it much love as well. But you didn't. I didn't see your post. Yeah, I didn't see it. I you, did see the Howard some Cross. People. Yes, I did see some of the hockey social media stuff. I was I was out of town. I was celebrating my mom's birthday with her in Ohio. And how old is mom? Can we say that on the air? Would we get in trouble? I think we can say it. Uh, is she listening? 94. Good for her. 94. Yeah. How about that? That is awesome. Very, very awesome. So you got to spend a little time there. And now here we are again. And you got Notre Dame football news the same as soon as you come back. Awesome. Christophic and Rubio. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll dig into a little bit more on Notre Dame football, and we'll go back to when Jack Swarbrick hired Marcus Freeman. Is his vision now starting to pay off, what he thought was going to happen in a couple of years? We'll get into that conversation in just a moment. He's Eric Hansen. Check out his website, InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, 530 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. What's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He was bad at catching clay. He bad at sugar ray. He bad at now who that you the new boy had Mike Mike Tate look like a bulldog. He bad at him too. Here's your host, Darren Preachett. I don't know who that is. Twenty-five minutes in front of six o'clock. Sports speak continues. We are. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash salad ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation. Granting a better future. Tomorrow's program, Eric back with me for the 5 o'clock hour. We'll go through the questions that he answered on his chat at InsideIndieSports.com. And the chat was earlier this week, right? Or did I miss out? I had it on Tuesday uh, because we thought we were going to have Notre Dame player availability today, and then it got changed. So we'll go back to Wednesdays. Okay. Because that's going to be on Fridays that we're going to have some players and New uh, strength and conditioning coach, which they call director of football performance, Lauren Lando. We've been calling, I've been calling him Landau, but it's Lando. It is Lando. Yes. Okay. Super Bowl champion with Ryan Harris. Yes. With the Denver Broncos. Okay. So we'll have that chat recap tomorrow at 530 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Eric, it's been over two years since Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick selected defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman to be the Irish's 
head coach. Jack put a lot of faith in Freeman because, as we all know, he was a first-time head coach, and first-time head coaches, well, they've had their struggles yeah. in the past at the University of Notre Dame. And there were some early bumps on the road that first year, losing at home to Marshall and a really bad Stanford football team. We saw some game management hiccups, I think, throughout this particular campaign. So, Eric, there's a lot of positivity about this Irish program right now. You see it in the questions and comments being asked to you in your chats. Right. We see it on social media. We see it on, for example, InsideIndieSports.com message boards. People feel like the pieces are now falling into place for Notre Dame to be in position to possibly do something special very, very soon. And I think a lot of that has to do with Marcus's passion to this place, his passion in recruiting, Mm -hmm. and he's got two awesome coordinators in Mike Denbrock and Al Golden. We keep our fingers crossed every day that Al sticks with the Fighting Irish. So there's a lot of positivity surrounding this Notre Dame football program. When you think back to when Mr. Swarbrick decided to go with Marcus Freeman, do you believe he is starting to see the results that he expected? And maybe as a first-time coach, there were going to be some moments that weren't going to go perfectly, but did he see that down the line he felt like that this could be a special guy? He did, and yet he wasn't slam-dunk confident that it would play. He knew there was risk. I remember going over and chatting with him with a couple other reporters after the formal press conference, you know, when you kind of have those little breakdown breakdowns afterwards. And I think it was Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Well, you're con-, he said, nope, there's risk here. And so, but he felt like it was a calculated risk that would pay off. And he knew there were going to be bumps in the road in the first couple of years. There just is with this kind of job. And maybe not the bumps that somebody else that had inexperience would have. I think sometimes Marcus has conquered conquered the bigger things that even experienced coaches couldn't do here. And yet there's some game management things that are head scratchers. Um, and I think some of that is there was so much turnover. You had a lot of institutional knowledge going out. So a lot of people that say, well, this is how we've done it on game day, they're out the door. I mean, it's, it's, um, it was a different crew. But Jack's bet was that recruiting would be so strong that it would mitigate the other growing pains until, they got, until you got to the point where those didn't exist anymore. And that's what's happened. I think recruiting and Marcus's preparation for the transfer portal and being able to pivot and being able to deal with NIL, I think I don't know that Jack was calculating how NIL would fit into this and how Marcus would be able to deal with that and deal with it in a way where Notre Dame is at a level playing field, I believe. And so um, what Jack has also do, done, though, and I think it's shown in this cycle of offseason, is make sure Marcus has the resources to be successful. 
being able to get Mike Denbrock not fooling around with that, making him one of the highest paid assistants for briefly the highest paid assistant in college football, and doing it in less than a week. I mean, that was basically Monday night, Mike, do you have any interest? Thursday, Mike Brent Denbrock knew he was coming. Friday, he told Brian Kelly, and then the rest of the world knew. Hmm. And there's no question something that is helping Marcus Freeman is the fact that we have started to see a change in the ability to get transfers into this program. Does that one of the things that helps balance the playing field for Notre Dame? I think so. I th- I thought, and I this is why, you know, it's not a hot take, meaning a bad hot take. Things change so quickly, but I really worried about a year ago that that could be where Notre Dame just wasn't willing or able to keep up. And yet Marcus and Neil Ivey and Micah Shrewsbury, and I'm sure there were other coaches too, but those three really diplomatically worked with the academic side and Jack Swarbrick to try to get some progress made, not just in let's be creative in finding ways to take these upperclassmen who weren't yet graduates um, and include some of them in the pool as well as turning that decision around because these kids, they get in the portal, they want to make a quick decision, they want to take their visits, and Notre Dame had to be able to say yes or no whether they could get in or they're not going to invest a visit. And Notre Dame has been really good with that. And you look (laughs) – it was funny because I really did have whiplash. At the (laughs) beginning of December when the portal opened – I mean, you would have thought the sky was falling with the number of Notre Dame players, which I try to warn people that it's going to be a high number. And then when they started getting these really good transfers coming back, that recruiting finished strong, that they end up going and getting Mike Denbrock, now it's, we're going to win the national championship. (laughs) There's no, so the sky's the limit. There is no limit on the sky. Um, So it went completely the other direction. I think reality doesn't is somewhere in the middle and closer to the sky's the limit uh i never thought the sky was falling but yeah there are a lot of reasons to be excited about the program but marcus still needs to prove it on the field this year and there's a lot of work ahead i mean there's some really good pieces there's some really interesting possibilities and i think notre dame does have a greater margin for error in games because of its talent level and its depth and because of who the coach, assistant coaches are. but And the defense is going to be really good, and that's going to buy them a lot of margin for error this year. They were really good at the end of the, the sure. year. Yeah. They weren't as good at the beginning of last year and couldn't save them through that icky stretch where they couldn't figure out eight in a box and how to attack that on offense. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of more – room for error. You still have to be lucky with injuries and stuff. And Marcus, I think where I would like to see growth in him is him trusting his instincts over analytics in some situations. I mean, when he said that he wanted Audric Estime to go down at the one-yard line so they could kick a field goal in that Duke game, I I still wanted 
throw up. You know, I I, the I think decisions that, in the Louisville yeah. game were just bad. I'm sorry, they were bad. Right, the, and, and and there's some word I'll question a veteran coach in the Alabama Michigan game. There was a point Michigan. We talked about this. They went forward on fourth down in their own territory. Alabama would have been in field goal position. They don't get that. The game's over. Alabama goes up 10, and that's the end. But Michigan got it. I did question that. But I did give Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt because I thought, well, this guy's been doing this at a high level for a long time. But, but yeah, the Audric Estime going down on the one, I hated that. Marcus Freeman from the outside Luckily, looking in. Luckily, Audric hated it too. <laughs> yes, he did. From the outside looking in, Marcus Freeman looks like a great leader which is very important. The players respect him. I think there probably needs to be a little evaluation of how they handle road trips because yeah, the road absolutely. was just not up to Notre Dame standards this year. But he likes to reevaluate everything, and I'm yeah. sure that might be near the top of the dry race board. I have not seen him. I mean, other than kind of some rhetoric sometimes where – he just doesn't want to throw somebody on the bus. He'll dig his heels in a little bit, but he won't in terms of the concept of they need to do something better. He he doesn't get defensive about that. I've seen a lot, and I've dealt with coaches that have been like that. He doesn't get that way, so that's very encouraging. But I think the thing that shines through and why Marcus Freeman is such a good recruiter is he's authentic. Yes. You don't catch him being a phony. You don't catch him in lies. And Notre Dame just had this big junior day recruiting event this weekend where it was a targeted group of some of their tw top 20, 25 guys, and there was a 2026 20, quarterback. And they hit home runs because people can, kids can spot a phony a mile away. And, you know, they like the authenticity and they like the fact he doesn't sugarcoat stuff. Mm -hmm. He says, Yeah, it's going to be hard here. Guess what? You're going to have days where you got to walk to class in this weather. So I wouldn't have wanted to walk to class in that weather. And I had similar weather where I went to school. I'm just glad he was not talked into putting on a leprechaun outfit. <laughs> So you didn't like the leprechaun? Oh, no, thing? I didn't say that. I'm okay. glad he did not. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the best-dressed guy in the room yeah. wherever he goes. Yeah. I mean, it looks a little corny, but I think the players, the recruits loved it, so that's all that matters. It And it and it draws attention on social media, yeah. and then other recruits that haven't been here go, what's going on there? And, and so what we needed to do is get Charleston Bowles to wear a hat because he was out in the cold for two hours taking video oh. and pictures with no hat on. So, Charleston, no. That's part of the InsideIndieSports.com working policy. <laughs> you got to have a hat on. <laughs> when it's that cold, yeah. No doubt. All right, 549 is our time. Eric Hansen is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. Walker is this is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Along with Eric Hansen, I'm Darren Pritchett. Our Twitter X question of the day from yesterday of these Notre Dame defensive players who were sophomores last year. I'm using the academic year. Who will make the biggest jump in their level of play in 2024? Your choices were defensive end junior Tui Halamaka. Cornerback Jaden Mickey, defensive tackle Donovan Hines, defensive lineman Tyson Ford, and I stressed 
Don't just pick Mickey because he may become a starter. Think about where he is now and what he could become. So who might make the biggest jump from where they are now to where they might be at the start of next year? So, Eric, who would you have voted for? It, for Mickey, and some of that was based on all that he went through with his mom being sure. very ill and then dying during the season and and then him moving forward to the next phase of his life and playing in her memory and honoring her. I think he's going to be very motivated, and he's very talented. Um, I think most recruiting analysts thought of Mickey and and uh, Ben Morrison that Mickey was the better prospect coming out of yeah. high school. And those guys are inseparable, and I think they play off each other, and I think Mickey will be really good. Take Mickey out of the equation. Which of the other three will make the biggest jump? Tui Halamaka, Heinish Ford. If Rubio didn't come back, Heinish really has there an opportunity. I think people would love it if it were Tyson Ford. He's one of those very highly top 50 rated recruits that people say, why isn't he playing yet? All right, 14.1% went with Tui Halamaka, 16.2% Heinish, 25.3% Ford, and winning the vote at 44.4% was Jaden Mickey. Now we go to the offensive side of the football today. Again, of these Notre Dame offensive players who were sophomores last year, that's academic year, who will make the biggest jump in their level of play in 2024? Your four offensive choices, quarterback Steve Angeli, offensive guard Billy Shrouth, offensive tackle Emil Wagner, tight end Eli Reardon. Which direction do you go now? I'm. This is I'm, tougher. It is tougher. There are three really easy answers for me, but I went with a guy that I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table for, and that's Emil Wagner. Okay. I think he is going to be a starting tackle for Notre Dame, and I think he's going to be really good. Right tackle? Or left. I think okay. Jagaza can move to right. Okay. So Angelic. That's what I'm predicting will happen. Wagner will be the left tackle, and Jagaza will be the right. Okay. Angeli, Shrouth, Wagner, Raritan are your choices. You can vote on my Twitter X account. At 960 Sportsbeat, our Sportsbeat Inside Indie Sports Twitter question of the day will have results on tomorrow's program. All right, in about 20 seconds, what do you have coming up at InsideIndieSports.com? We have the chat transcript. We have all kinds of recruiting stories right now, trail tracks, rivals, rankings. The a couple stories that we talked about, Andrew Kristoffic and Gabe Rubio no longer being on the roster. Why? Blue Gold game scheduled for April 20th at 1 o'clock on Peacock and much, much more. Eric, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds great. He's Eric Hansen. Check him out at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportspeak continues in just a moment on WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 